Welcome to Your Pursuit of Happiness, the podcast for people working in the Irish fintech and financial services industry. Let's get started. Hi everyone, welcome back to Your Pursuit of Happiness. I'm Laura. I'm Paul. Today we're delighted to have Phelan O'Donnell from Starling join us. Hi Phelan, you're very welcome. Thank you. Phelan, if you don't mind, I'm going to kick it off. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, so uh, I won't go too far back, but uh, I suppose you'll hear from my accent. I'm from Northern Ireland originally, um, and I, I grew up in a place called Newry, just north of the border. Um, spent my first 21 years in Northern Ireland, went to college in Belfast, did an engineering degree where I learned that I didn't want to be a mechanical engineer. <laughs> and uh, I did a master's conversion course in computer science. So it was kind of around the time of the dot-com boom mm-hmm. when they were trying to get more and more people. It hasn't really changed. We're still trying to get more and more yeah. people to come out of college with uh, computer science degrees. So yeah, lived in lived in Belfast for a little while, uh, working as a software engineer. And as I said, my wife uh, is from Dublin originally. She was on the master's course with me. So we met there. I said she came up to Belfast to find me and bring me back. So <laughs> I've been living in Dublin pretty much ever since with a little year out in Australia in between. But uh, I suppose when I moved down to Dublin after a couple of years working in Belfast, uh, I joined one of the large banks here in Dublin mm. uh, and I worked with them for 17 years and I think one of the things that struck me when I joined the bank was uh, the difference between working for a small software house uh, and coming and joining a bank was all of a sudden I was on an IT career path mm. um, so I, I, I was a level 2 on the IT career path <laughs> if I did level 2 for 2 years and met all my targets I could become a level 3 um, and you had to kind of fall into the, the, the yeah. system of it you had to get to understand how the system worked mm. and how the processes worked um, started off as a mainframe programmer and kind of worked my way through project management and then did all sorts ultimately ended up working for directly for the COO as head of strategy and control so yeah. leading out on large transformation projects but also looking after the control environment for everything that the COO owned operationally mm-hmm. uh, and I guess I worked on a, a large uh, operations transformation program as well yeah. where we looked at being lean practices in ways of working look at the culture and stuff like that yeah. as well which was really really interesting. So for the last four years, I was working for um, a small, it's an IT company, it's not that small. It was set up in Belfast uh, 25 years ago as a subsidiary of one of the big insurance companies from the US, so mm. Fortune 100 company. Strange decision to set up in Belfast in the late 90s, yeah. uh, but it worked out really, really well for them because they were able to take the cream of the crop coming out of university. Yeah. And then four years ago, they established an office in Dublin five years ago. Uh, and I joined three and a half, four years ago as the as the site lead for Dublin, managing the expansion of the office in Dublin and then having matrix responsibility as well for some of the IT services into the US. Okay. That was a great experience. There's a lot of really, really bright people there, what I call mm. high-end engineers who yeah. really understand the value of engineering okay. as opposed to software programming. Yeah. And uh, learned a lot through through working with those guys. Frustrations, you're still three or four steps removed from the customer. Mm. Yeah. So we were an IT company providing services to the IT arm of the organization, yeah. which then worked with the business, who then worked with the customer. Yeah. And as you're moving, the whole industry is moving towards agile working practices and what that actually mm. means. It's really, really hard when you're that far removed from the customer. But like yeah. I said, some exceptional people in there. And it, was, yeah. it was a great place to work. So yeah, then two months ago, I started with Starling, Starling Bank set up in the, in the UK. Uh, by 2014, set up by Anne Bowden, who mm. I'd worked yeah. with previously. We last week announced, so we got our full bank license about a year and a half ago, and we announced last week that we had one million customers. Mm. So yeah, the growth is congratulations. Thank you very much. 
then I can't take much credit for it, but uh, <laughs> I'll bask in the glory uh, yeah, nonetheless. Yeah. Um, a phenomenal achievement. And yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's kind of shown just the impact that these, you know, the Challenger Bank and Mobile yeah. Only Bank can have. It's that easy to set up your account. Yeah. Uh, and, and what we're finding actually with starting is people are tending to use us more, less as a money transmission account and more as their main account. Yeah, yeah. Um, differentiating this a, a, a little bit. It's less like a payment platform. and It, it still is a payment platform and it does all that mm. stuff. But because we're fully licensed, we've got yeah. a deposit guarantee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's part of our mantra as well yeah. is that we are a full bank. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we're starting to see people actually have more and more deposits with us as well, mm. which is great. Yeah. Very good. Excellent. Um, you've told us a little bit how you, how you got involved but, and a bit about Sterling um, how did I end up there? yeah yeah. so like I said I worked with Anne previously and obviously I followed very closely what happened you know when she set off to, to, yeah. to set up her bank when I worked for her previously it was within that system that I talked about previously you know I talked about career path for IT but actually broader than that mm-hmm. what I found was you know working for an enterprise organisation it's really about process it's really about understanding like I say how the system works and that's because you work mm-hmm. in your own little arm of the organisation so mm-hmm. you have to figure out how to interconnect with everybody and I suppose I worked as a project manager for a long time in there as well and my job really was was liaison between different arms yeah. of the organisation so when Anne joined um, she kind of threw that out the window and it was quite disruptive um, and I won't lie to you it was scary yeah. um, but Genuinely, it's the best two years that I'd had in my career to that point and okay. since. And when I reflected on it, you know, I stayed, I stayed there for a couple of years after Anne left, and then I moved to, to what I regard as an excellent company, but still yeah. four steps removed from the customer. Yeah. I still didn't get that kind of that push, that satisfaction, that constant challenge to be the best that you can be every day right. when you go in. Um, so when when she contacted me um, and they were talking about expanding into Europe and setting up an international arm, yeah. I was I, I jumped at the chance. Easy decision. Yeah, and, and what was really interesting for me actually leaving my last company was everybody was delighted for me. So as my MD said to me, typically he tries to talk people out of, of movements, but yeah. he knew what Storning Bank was about yeah. and it kind of sat with all the core values that they had as an organisation. So he was okay. just genuinely delighted for me. So. Wow. How's it been so far? No, hasn't been yeah, too really good. So there's there's three of us so far um, in the Dublin office, growing to four. Um, and we're in serviced office accommodation at the moment, so we're getting used to having more people in yeah. the space <laughs> with us, which is interesting. Um, yeah, really, really good. Busy. Very, very busy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm I, loving it. Absolutely yeah. loving it. Getting back into banking again because you know, I was out of it for three, three and a half years. And um, I, I think my role right now versus what my role is going to be like in a year's time or two years' time is yeah. going to be very, very different. Yeah. But I, I'm absolutely, uh, there's some really brilliant people who've spent a bit of time over in London in the head office, great engineering departments. Um, mm. I, I say department, actually, it's not a department, so great engineers. Mm. Uh, our head of, our CIO is also our head of product, which is just fascinating for me. It's brilliant. Um, and yeah, love it. Absolutely love it. Can I ask a question around, you, you mentioned systems and there was a shift when uh, Anne came into your previous employer and disrupted all of that. Yeah. <laughs> what was the disruption? How did it make a difference? So What's the system launched, like? We launched a transformation program and when I, like I said, I, I worked for a long time in project management and mm. we rolled out a design and build methodology was based on software delivery lifecycle and SDLC. SDLC basically has a set process mm. for yeah. you do your requirements, you yeah. sign off on your requirements, you do your functional spec, tech spec, deliver, etc. etc. 
And my job basically was to understand how that process worked and then make sure that I had the right people sign off at the right time and kind of mm-hmm. navigate the system of the organization to do that. One of the first things that she did was say, right, we're going to change that and we're going to run an agile project. Mm-hmm. And she went to some of the business executives, uh, as they'd be called, and said, right, I need your people to work hand in hand with the engineers. Mm-hmm. And part of the culture that had grown up was people in the IT department delivered what was signed off in the business requirements. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter at the end of the project whether that's what you wanted yeah. or not. That's what you'd signed off yeah. so that's what you were going to get delivered. And in fairness, they'd been burnt so many times. That sure, that's yeah, kind yeah. of why that, it's so understandable why that culture grew up. So I led out on that on that program and one of the first things we had to do was get the IT guys to trust again mm-hmm. and kind of break down that barrier and say, all right, you know, I, I'm not going to ask for this document from you before I talk to you. I'm actually going to talk to you from day one. Yeah. And you start and it's, it's you know, this isn't rocket science. This is a lot of, a lot of startup companies have been doing this for quite a while. It's it's from the lean startup. But this yeah. is exactly what you should be doing. Create a prototype. Is that what you want? Is it not what you want? If it isn't, then we'll tweak it mm-hmm. slightly and yeah. shift away from Gantt charts with deliverables and set milestones to actually mm-hmm. thinking about product, what it is that we need to achieve and yeah, how can yeah. we get that out into the marketplace. And we got that up and running. I was just talking to somebody last night at a, um, financial services Ireland um, dinner, mm. reminiscing about what what that was like for people. You know, and I'm, I'm I'm doing the air quotes here in terms of the business working with IT. Mm. That was the first time that it happened, and you're kind of breaking down those barriers, yeah. and you're kind of bypassing the system, mm. um, which is scary for a lot of people, right? Yeah, Especially. Yeah. So I embrace. I love that kind of change, and I love kind of sitting back and saying, "Well, why am I doing the things that I'm doing?" Yeah. It yeah. took me a long time to mature into thinking about that kind of stuff. But for a lot of people, they've been promoted on the basis that they understand how to navigate the system. Yeah. yeah. They don't necessarily want to change from that. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, that's, you know, we got some success with it, but it's a, it's a real, real challenge in an enterprise organization. And is that translated into how you work now? Absolutely. So yeah. that's, and that's, you know, what I, what I love about starting is that that's just the culture. So um, they are engineers you wouldn't know if you were talking to our engineer, whether you were talking to somebody who worked, you know, if I was back in in the old enterprise institution, whether they worked in a product function or an IT function, they know as much about the product as anybody in Mm. the organization because that's what they're there for, is to deliver value to the customer. Mm. And we get instant feedback. We have a Slack channel that has all our Twitter feed coming back into us. We have people monitoring social media. So if we have questions for customers, that feeds back into our engineers. Are we looking at this? Are we thinking Mm. about this? So you're getting that instant customer feedback. You don't yeah. have a sales guy telling you this is what I think our customer yeah. wants. You actually have that instant feedback from customers. Okay. Yeah, it's funny. I did a, a, I'm on the FinTech Advisory Board with TBS um, and Andrew Quinn always gets me in for a talk every year to students and uh, he self-titled my talk this morning without telling me <laughs> it was the future of work. Right. So I saw it on LinkedIn yesterday. Said, Thanks a million, Andrew. <laughs> Could have got a bit more notice. <laughs> but one of the things we were talking about uh, and you see it a lot more on the tech or FinTech side and I think banks or traditional financial services firms are certainly moving to it, but it can be slow, is that kind of distribution of information, that quick mm-hmm. communication, yeah. your role isn't functional anymore. It's not constrained by this is what I do. You need to be across a bit yeah. more. You need to understand yeah. more, have that curiosity. And that, and that works right across. You, you can break that down in IT as well. Yeah. So, like I talk about IT yeah. and business, but exactly. even within IT, you've got your operations people, you've got your front-end people, you've yeah. got your back-end um, programmers, etc. So that's that's... That's true everywhere. And mm. communication is key, right? It's 
absolutely. 100%. And everybody has to have the context then as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the advantages right of a startup organization where you've got a core group of people who've got a really core set of values. Mm. And that core set of values is understood by everybody. So you have your kind of your your um, parameters to work within mm. and then you get the autonomy to do what you need to do within those parameters. Mm. What, what I find working in enterprise organizations and really interesting was at um, the DevOps Enterprise Summit earlier this year in my former role. So uh, DevOps is one of those terms, right? You <laughs> throw a description on it if you like and Gene Kim organizes that. So he's the guy that wrote the Phoenix Project and he organizes the conference and he does his version of describing it up front. But what I really took away from, from the conference was DevOps, you could you could substitute the word agile, you could substitute mm. the word lean. And it's really about that ways of working. And, yeah. and yeah. it's about culture and it's about um and it's you know, in the title, Enterprise Summit. So you have a lot of large organizations that are talking about their experiences and the way that he sets it up is he tries to get companies coming back year after year to give an update on their story from the yeah, previous yeah. year. And I, I did a little reflection on it afterwards and I was just kind of writing up my notes for sharing with my colleagues uh, internally. Yeah. And my, my big reflection was people are trying to understand agile or lean yeah. as though it's a management practice. Yeah. So their first step is, and you know, the, the people who are throwing out the accreditations aren't necessarily helping with that, right? Because mm -hmm. you think as a company, First step for me, let's get everybody accredited and roll out the process of Agile yeah. where you've got the roles, the Scrum Master, Product Manager. Mm. But taking that next step to actually change your organization, mm. to have engineering embedded within your organization as opposed to somebody who delivers yeah. a set of, of requirements for you yeah. is, is a very big thing. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of enterprise organizations really, really struggle with yeah. that. Okay. Phelan, can I just say it's incredible to, to see and hear your passion yeah. for Starling Bank. That's coming across so yeah, yeah. strongly. Um, I know you've touched on it, but any other benefits of being involved in, in a new bank versus enterprise financial institutions? So I, I think genuinely the, the, the biggest thing is having that blend of everybody cares. So yeah. and, and I mm -hmm. see that. So we use Slack as our internal communication yeah. channel. And that's another thing, right? We have one internal communication channel. So every enterprise organization yeah. I've worked in has like five or six different yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. Which one will we settle on? But we've, we've won and you can kind of go in and you, you look at a channel and, you know, if there's a customer that's that's logged something, it'll be debated and be discussed. How do we make sure that we, we best go back with that? And, and there's a really clear core set of values with it that really kind of appeal to me. Okay. Um, and, I, and yeah, it just, we're, we're disrupting and yeah. that's really, really exciting, you know? Yeah. yeah. You can get a sense of the kind of dynam dynamism there. Dynamism, easy for <laughs> you to say. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the speeds, it sounds like a which you can kind of get things done. So, so that's that's another big factor, right, is the, the IT element of it. Mm. Um, and we've built our own tech, and that was yeah. fundamental to to us doing what we're doing. And with PSD2 and the rollout of open APIs, yeah. if you hadn't done that, you're setting yourself up, you know, the, the, you don't have the flexibility to be able to react to whatever you want. One of the big things for us in, in, in our bank in the UK is the marketplace where other people can come and innovate on top of our core banking system. Yeah. So we look on customer data, it's their data. We might hold it for them, but it's their data, it's not our yeah. data. And if we can help them use that data to make their lives easier, mm. then that's what we want to do in that kind yeah. of ecosystem. So you have a great example, an accounting package sits in our marketplace at the minute called Zero. It's mm -hmm. a cloud-based accounting package. And if you're an SME customer with us and you have the Zero accounting package, your data, you can transfer that automatically and yeah, seamlessly yeah. into the accounting package. 
compare that to having to download CSV files, import them, yeah. trying to sort but them. We out still have to do somewhere, yeah. yeah. And it, it just makes your life so much easier. And that's that's the exciting thing. It's not just what we mm. have at the moment, but it's the potential for other people to come in and innovate on top of us. Yeah. Like we have a fairly simple banking proposition. We've current yeah. account, we've overdraft, we've a little, little, little bit of lending. And then we've got you know money transmission. So yeah. we just launched our Euro account there as well. Mm. So with yeah. one card, you've got access to Euro and GBP funds. Yeah. And it knows where you are. So if I'm over in the UK and I tap my card or I use my mobile app uh, to pay for something, it knows to take that out of it's my GBP account rather than out of my Euro. Mm. Um, so it's a, it's a fairly simple banking proposition yeah. though, right? and what we're actually saying is we're not trying to be everything for everybody yeah. Sure, yeah. but we'll provide an environment for other people to come in and yeah. innovate on top sure. and then you'll have a seamless experience between it and it must help not to have the same kind of legacy tech issues that some of the larger it's huge right that's mm. absolutely massive yeah. um, and just talking to some of the engineers and this is principles that we would have had yeah. and what you'll see is maybe some of the, the enterprise organisations trying to do greenfield development where yeah. they're yeah. not building on old stuff but trying to build out new mm. the challenge of integrating that in with all their, That's their the, legacy yeah. is, is a real challenge um, having the flexibility in the way that we've architected it is that we have mm. that flexibility that you're able to react and adapt but you know if we're not publishing stuff um, we had a new guy start with us in Dublin in the IT space and he put stuff in production on his first day. Yeah. That's and I worked in IT for a long time. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I don't That's know amazing. if you really even got your laptop set up yeah. on your first day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Access to folders and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's really good. And yeah. it comes down to that communication piece, right? So there's the whole DevOps space, the automated tests and everything that you need your pipelines built. Uh, we're we're built on top of a, a cloud platform, so yeah. we don't have servers sitting in our basement or whatever. Yeah. That that's really really important, mm. and it gives you that flexibility, which is yeah. absolutely huge, not just for now, but for the future. Yeah, no, and like nowhere near the scale of you guys, but we're similar in terms of when we started. It was all cloud based. There was no none of that yeah. stuff. Which yeah. you see, and it's all kind of legacy stuff that you see. And it's where the industry's going. I mean, I was at, oh, yeah. I was at reInvent last year, the AWS massive conference in Vegas. And it's really interesting. You start to see them starting to pitch their services more now towards mm. the enterprise organizations. Mm. How can we help them migrate from legacy? Yeah. Mm. Because that's where their market is going. They yeah. focus on startups, you know, and, and I don't know, they blow my mind in terms of the way that they kind yeah. of take information from how people are using their product yeah. to then develop more services for yeah. everybody. It's, it's, it is. again, it's not just what they're doing today. It's what they're going to be doing yeah. tomorrow yeah. And, and the day after. So when, uh, hopefully when you start to expand in, in, in Dublin or even in the UK or wherever else, obviously you look for technical skills, but what's important outside of that? So as a baseline, we need really good tech skills, yeah. but actually um, a lot of our engineers have different backgrounds. Yeah. Like there's somebody who's working in a UK office, used to be an auctioneer. <laughs> um, so, and, and funny enough, in my last job, one of the, one of the highest performing engineers, um, an architect now, and an AWS champion, was, has a degree in law. Mm. So what we're really looking for is that cultural element. And it comes back to that way as a working piece, that you want people who have a passion for continuous learning. They're not happy just understanding how the process works or how to do what they do today, but they're constantly trying to see how to make that better. Yeah. And they're working with the people around them. Yeah. Mm. We have a no-blame culture, so we have a really open Slack channel where if somebody makes a mistake, they say, oops, I made the mistake on that, I'll just fix it yeah. now. 
and you have to make sure that you don't have people in there who are pointing fingers so if somebody does that they're not doing it deliberately they'll stick mm. their hands up and it, it creates everybody talks about this no blame culture or fail fast yeah but it's really really hard to reinforce that mm-hmm. so you have to hire the right people to kind of come yeah. in and, and, and work in that environment but you know that continuous learning piece is absolutely mm. huge as well and people question and why so why am I doing the thing that I'm doing? Mm-hmm. I'm not just asking you how to do the thing that I'm doing, I'm asking you why are we doing it that way? Yeah. And if there's a better way to do it, then I'll come yeah. up and, and, and I'll make that suggestion. Yeah. Um, like on, on the softer side like that around it, will they face in terms of no blame culture and that curiosity and continuous improvement attitude? How do you figure that out when you're talking to someone? When you're doing an initial interview? Yeah, so ask or a me, CV or Ask whatever. me that again probably in about a year's time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's tricky, right? Like if you're looking for a Python developer, it, it like is. give them a piece of code. Actually, what we did in a previous company, which worked, uh, I, I was really enthused for it, was you didn't just have a single interview and this is more at the grad level. Mm. We used to have recruitment day. Mm. Where you come okay. in and you do multiple different exercises. Yeah, yeah. You see a little a bit, bit more of the practical. personality coming out. You see how they work in a team environment. Mm. You yeah. see if they are hogging the floor, whether they're kind of pointing at other people, mm. if they're making mistakes, etc. It, it's it's not easy, you know, and, and you'll make mistakes as you go through it. But yeah. you get a sense, and you get a sense when you talk to people about their passion for stuff as yeah. well. And what I'm finding now, previous hire of mine, when, when he um, applied for the job, he was including his blog posts, you know, mm. his Medium profile as part of his... Um, his application form yeah, yeah. and you see a little bit of the personality coming out yeah. as well you know uh, and you're easy to see that but yeah ask me that question again in a year's time yeah, yeah. i'll let you know if we might yeah. <laughs> and how do you engage people in what the company is trying to do so i'm a big believer i don't know if you've if you've uh, read the dan, dan pink book drive um so for anybody who's listening actually there's a, an animate on youtube if you do a if you do a search for Dan Pink Drive okay. on YouTube, it'll come up and it's like a seven minute animate. And it, it, it gives a synopsis of the book that he will drive. And he did a study of what motivates people. Mm-hmm. And in a non-knowledge-based environment, so if it's, uh, there's a guy called Dave Snowden as well. He's got a mm-hmm. thing called Kinefin, which talks mm-hmm. about situational awareness. So if you're in an ordered situation, you, you can write a standard operating procedure and you can just follow stuff through step by step. And in those cases, you motivate by people by giving them more money. So the more money you give them, the, yeah. the better they'll be at it. In a knowledge-based environment where something's more complicated or it's complex, then the more money you throw at it might actually create worse results. So okay. people just get frustrated and give up. And he did some research and he did it in, in various places from the streets of Mumbai right up to, to some of the Ivy League schools, you know, taking different people and actually looking at the, the way that they responded to, to different motivating factors. And he came up basically with three things, and I don't know if these are necessarily in order. Um, for me, they're kind of complementary rather than one precedes yeah. the other, but it's, it's mastery, autonomy, and purpose. Yeah. And that's something I, I kind of encountered for the first time about, about four years ago, and it, it's resonated with me in everything okay. I've done since. So why do people, high achievers, why do they run marathons? Why do they yeah. learn the guitar in their spare time? Why do they learn an extra language? Um, so that's a mastery thing. You want to be the best at what you do. You want mm. to have, you want to continuously improve on yeah. what you're doing. You want to have autonomy. So you, you don't want people telling you exactly what you do. You want to have some scope to kind of challenge that yourself and kind of broaden it beyond it. But ultimately, you want a sense of purpose. So you want to know that yeah. what you're doing is actually achieving something and adding value. Yeah. Um, but you also have a context for the things that you're doing. And I suppose 
those three things are really important together. If you miss out on one of those things, you give somebody mastery and autonomy, but you don't give them a mm. sense of purpose, they might end up going in a completely different direction. Mm. Or if somebody doesn't have a sense of mastery and you give them autonomy, mm. you might end up yeah. with not quite the, the, the level of output that you, yeah. you, you wanted. So when, I, when I've been working with people and I see this, this is part of the culture in, and there's kind of co-coaching that goes on within, you know, mm. co-challenge yeah. for, for people yeah. within, um, and that word's misunderstood. That that coaching word is yeah, misunderstood yeah. as well. People think it means feedback. Yeah, it's it's not like I, I heard a quote. Yeah. I heard a quote. Coaching is about asking the right questions, deliberate thinking, and I loved it. It kind of yeah. take the blinkers off and think about things from a bigger level. But I always talk about giving people context. Yeah. So actually, in, in previous jobs as a kind of a leader or as a manager, I w- I would spend the first half of any meeting giving people context in terms of yeah, what yeah. I've heard. So that they then have the context that they can relate to other people. Yeah. So it just gives you that sense of purpose a little bit more. Yeah. That, you know, and then when I'm giving you autonomy to do what you do. Yeah. But I'd also set really clear expectations. And expectations not in terms of detailed job specs mm. or objectives. Yeah. Be expectations in terms of I expect you to be operating at a level higher than you were operating at previously. Yeah. I expect yeah. you to be challenging the people around you. Yeah. And that's really important for me, right? I, I personally work better when I have a level of external expectation on me as well. I work better under kind of, you know, pressurized, scenarized situations and the expectation has to come with support as well. So mm. I'm not going to give you expectation and then leave yeah. it. Yeah. And, and that expectation is almost like challenging people to step up in a mastery space. Yeah. Yeah. And then the support is, all right, I'm giving you a Tommy, but I'm not leaving you here on your own. Yeah. I'll pull down blockers for you. I'll help you through whatever you need. But it, it meets that expectation yeah. piece as well. I'm not going to do it for you. You have to step up to that yourself. Yeah. And then th- there's kind of, you know, if you look at those as three things, there's a the final piece, which is really, really important, which is a reinforcement. And I suppose in my experience, and certainly in enterprise organizations, you tend to coach people at times of emergency. So that emergency yeah. might be that they're falling off in terms of performance or it might be that they're going through the roof in terms of performance and you're thinking right what do we do with this person next yeah. before they leave us and you manage them or you coach them really closely for a period of time mm-hmm. until that panic is over yeah. and then you'll go back to doing your day job yeah, yeah, and focusing yeah. about stuff so that reinforcement piece is really really important keep yeah. coming back keep giving the context keep setting the expectation keep making sure that they have the support they need yeah. or keep doing the stuff you know and, and that's really important because the, the, the moment you stop giving them the support then they're going to lose faith yeah. and the, the, the trust yeah, piece yeah. in it. So everything, and, and I mean, there's another guy who's, who's done a TED Talk, really, really popular on the internet as well, Simon Sinek, yeah. who talks about start with the why. Um, again, Google search on that, and uh, Simon Sinek, start with the why, and he's got a, a TED Talk that lasts for about five minutes where he talks about actually understanding why you do it. And that's the sense of purpose thing and back again. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, so we have a coaching business as well. Um, possibility lures midway through the, the culture qualification as well but uh, have you come across Tim uh, Tim Galloway no former tennis pro turned coach right so we wrote a book called The Inner Game um, but he is he is kind of his speech is like two hours long he was giving it to the ICF the International Coaching Federation and he talks exactly about that safety and challenge yeah so you need to have enough safety to reach yeah. the challenge yeah, yeah but if you don't have enough challenge you just be bored yeah. you just don't want to yeah. be there uh, so really interesting to hear us in practice, I suppose, in the kind of practical side. And uh, yeah, I think we should have a whole other podcast about coaching. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but again, you, you go back and that's a cultural piece, right? Oh, yeah. So 100%. startup organizations, small organizations, they, they, 
the whole culture is around you know there's an internal expectation we need we need we need yeah like I find enterprise organizations it's a lot easier to kind of coast you, you know yeah, yeah. Uh, it's hiding places all exactly, over exactly yeah. right there's, there's not the same level of expectation mm. and there's just not the same urgency you know and you need to create that sense of urgency mm. for people to, to really start it's back to the mastery piece mm. give people the opportunity and, and give them the challenge and what I find personally in my <coughs> career is those times when I'm being challenged are the times that I'm I'm most engaged right? yeah. Yeah. Most, and, and give me the right support now don't leave me out yeah. but yeah. You know, that's when I'm most engaged and I've found that with the best people that I've worked with yeah, that's yeah. definitely the way that they've responded as well no, it's really interesting and I think the the, the no, no blame culture and being able to fail you know is, is important yeah. an important part of that yeah. um, speaking of challenge lovely segue <laughs> what's the biggest challenge for Starling over the next year or so well I, th- I think we're we're at the space now you know we've got a million customers mm. we're growing up in terms of size we're not the size of a company anymore where there's just a single core set of people that everybody mm. hears from all the time and I think that's that's not a unique challenge for no. a scaling organisation we're starting to set up multiple sites now so we've set up an engineering site in Southampton with customer service we're setting up now in Cardiff as well in terms of customer service capability how do you keep that culture thing yeah. which is really at the core of everything that we do how do you keep that consistent and you know as we as we set up um, in Ireland as well how do we make sure that we're embracing the same culture yeah. that that I think is going to be the, the, the biggest challenge it's a passion of mine anyway so it's you know I'm yeah. adamant we're going to have yeah, that I mean it's you know I wouldn't be here if I if I didn't yeah. believe in that and want and want that see that through so I think that's going to be a really interesting one and something we're going to have to focus on continuously as we kind of go through that yeah. I firmly believe we have a really really brilliant core set of people yeah. um, and if we keep those communication channel channels open hmm. like I said we've got a simple proposition and I don't know if you've seen our ads in the UK at the moment you know we want to give people the information to use their bank in the best way possible yeah. so you know if you're not good with your money have a look at let us help you let mm. us give you the information like anytime I use my card now I get instant information in terms of yeah you did that transaction we'll categorise that for you we'll do yeah. whatever you know try and make it as easy as possible for you um, so it's, it's a simple kind of core value sure. proposition in, in terms of what we're trying to do we need to make sure that we hire the right people to buy into that yeah. as well and, yeah. and that's yeah. kind of the interesting piece for us as, as we grow you yeah know. and you can see how important people are yeah it really comes yeah, across yeah. And, yeah. and you know I'm, I'm going to say I'll be killed by people who work in IT but the IT is not the hard part right it's it's actually the, the culture yeah. and yeah. that came out yeah. in spades at that yeah. DevOps Enterprise Conference yeah. you know everybody was getting blocked at a certain point yeah. and, it's, and there's, there's a great guy called Jonathan Smart who used to work for Barclays um, head of kind of transformation there and he tried to roll out all this stuff and he did a parody of the office you know when he was doing his presentation uh, it was really funny you know it was like all right all of you guys are going to change but i'm not i'm going <laughs> to stay exactly the way i am you know it's almost like your launch for a transformation mm. where you've got the ceo and that's the reality of some of the struggles that people are having yeah. so yeah that's people are at the heart of it you have to actually yeah you have to collaborate and communicate Phelan, your passion for Starling and your people has gotten me really excited yeah. about Starling. So thank you so much. Is there anything we've missed or anything else you'd like to add? No, no. Um, thanks. Thanks for giving me the chance to talk to you. Thank Please. you so much. Great. Thank thanks, Phelan. Thanks for joining us today on Your Pursuit of Happiness, the podcast for people working in the Irish fintech and financial services industry. 
For show notes and other goodies, go to www.toptierrecruitment.com forward slash podcast. That's toptierrecruitment.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and feel free to rate and review the show. We appreciate your support. See you next time.